Father, we do trust that you will speak to us. Lord, that's ultimately while we're all here, uh, we've come to meet with you. Lord, would you speak to each one of us, each and every heart today? Lord Jesus, uh, we know that ultimately, if, if you don't speak to us, uh, really coming here together, just it doesn't mean that much. We need for you to speak to us, for you to encourage us and inspire us. Lord, either through uh, your word today, through songs that are sung, through someone else, um, just in the quiet moments, would you speak to us? In Jesus' name, amen. Happy New Year. It's my first time to be here preaching this in 2019, so I get to say that again. I know we're a few weeks into the new year, but Happy New Year to you. Any New Year's resolutions out there? You don't have to share them. They're kind of like birthday wishes. If you speak them out loud, then they might not come true. Or somebody might actually hold you accountable to those resolutions. I actually had a few. I'm not going to share them with you. I don't need any more accountability. No. I've got a couple of good ones this year, though. And then I, uh, I read some other ones that um, you can make your own judgment on. I'm going to share a couple of them with you. Now, keep in mind, none of these are mine, okay? Here's just a couple I found very interesting. My New Year's resolution. I will drive by the fitness center at least once a week to pay my respects. <laughs> that sounds reasonable. I will use my treadmill for something else than hanging my clothes. That would be funnier if it wasn't true in my house. Actually, it's a, an elliptical and an inversion table that seems to catch a bunch of my clothing. Um, instead of losing, lose, I lose how not to gain any more. That's reasonable, I thought. Um, my New Year's resolution is to pretend I have the willpower to magically fix all my problems. And lastly, my New Year's resolution is to stop making New Year's resolutions. Some of those are pretty good. I don't know what it is about turning the page in a calendar to a new year that evokes the desire for change, but something does. Why is it that people make New Year's resolutions? It is really about change, isn't it? We want to see something new. We want something to change, either in our lives personally, in our families, spiritually, something. We want change. I don't know um, about you, but really, change or bringing something new um, or different, why, why is that that the calendar year seems to bring that about? I don't, I don't have any idea. I don't do that at July, I don't do that any other time of year. Why is it just at New Year's? I'm not sure. It dawned on me the other day, though, that in Jesus' um, prayer, the Lord's Prayer, um, it really is a resolution. He is teaching his disciples something that I think we need to be reminded of this morning, what a New Year's resolution really is. 
Um, the Lord's Prayer, Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 9. We're going to read this together. I think it will be up here on the screen here in a second. Let's start here in verse 9. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Jesus is teaching us and his disciples how to pray. And he begins that with, this is how you should pray. He doesn't say this is what you should pray. In other words, the Lord's Prayer is meant to be a model for us. It is not meant to be something we simply recite. Isn't that right? And here's the model. He's teaching his disciples and us several things. It begins with worship and reverence, right? Hallowed be your name. He then teaches that we should have a desire for God's kingdom and his will on earth as it is on, on earth as it is in heaven. That we should have an actual desire to see God's kingdom come. Then he moves on to a petition for our needs. Give us what we need today, God. And he moves on to spiritual needs, a petition for spiritual needs. And finally, ending with a recognition of our own weakness and our need for deliverance. That's what he wanted to teach us to do how to pray. There's the model. But when we talk about his kingdom coming to earth, which involves his will, we're talking about change, aren't we? That's what he's teaching us. A desire for change. Change that is in alignment with what God wants to come to this earth. That's a good New Year's resolution, isn't it? Thy kingdom come. Perhaps a really, really good news resolution would be a few verses later in chapter 6 where Jesus teaches, seek first the kingdom. Seek it first. Is that the first thing I seek? Is it the first thing I think of? New Year's? Is it the first thing I wake up thinking each day? Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. Another way one might phrase this is simply... God, I want to see your influence in and through me. I want to see you use me. I want you to build your kingdom through me this year. That's a pretty good news resolution, isn't it? And one that I promise you is in line with God's will. Yeah. How does that happen? How does God want to use us? How will his kingdom be built on this earth as it is in heaven already? How will that happen? I've got a list for you. I love lists. You won't be easily checking these off, but I've got a list for you. It's not meant to be exhaustive in any way. 
list of just four things that God may want to use you, how God might want to use you in 2019 to build his kingdom on this earth. Okay? Once again, not meant to be exhaustive. Ready? Thy kingdom come. Step one. The first step in being used by God and seeing his kingdom come is by being invaded by God. God's kingdom advances by invasion. Did you know that? An invasion of God's spirit in each of us. This keeps getting lower. Um, I guess I'm leaning on it. Where's the old pulpit? Well, a guy could really lean on that one. The kingdom advances by invasion. That happens when a person is reborn, is born again. God's Spirit comes to live in us. Okay, that's step one, invasion. I'm going to pause right there for just a second. If that idea seems foreign to you of being born again, maybe you're like I was at, when I was first uh, considering what it would be like to follow Christ. I, I hated that term, born again. In fact, I, if you'd asked me, are you a Christian? I would have said yes. Well, I, I must be. I believe in God. Um, I, I, I'm not a Buddhist. I'm, I know I'm not a Muslim. I'm, I must be a Christian. I think I am. I mean, when you fill out some of those forms that ask you about your ethnicity, your religion, blah, blah. I check the box, Christian. Right? But, here's the big but. It's a big but. My but was, I ain't one of those born-againers. Because that, to me, meant fanatical. I'm just one of your normal Christians. I ain't one of those born-againers, right? And then, uh, and then I read John chapter 3. And Jesus' words, unless a man's born again, he'll never enter the kingdom of God. Kind of shot a hole in my theory that I'm a Christian but not a born-againer. And then I realized, oh my gosh, being born again is what makes you a Christian. Okay? If that idea is totally foreign to you, please come up after service. Please come up and tell me about it. I'd love to share my story with you and for you to share your story with me. That's step one, though, being invaded by God's Spirit. And at that point when that happens, we move from being part of the task to part of the, to, to part of the task force. This invasion is meant to be total, complete, occupying force of God's Spirit in our lives. His Spirit comes and takes up residence forever. He didn't just pass through comes to infuse God's power and purpose into our personalities. Right? You're still going to be Annette, but you're going to be Jesus filled in Annette. Right? You're still going to be Eric, filled with God's Spirit. That personality, completely empowered by God's Spirit. Maybe to the point, eventually, where we simply become a suit of clothes that Jesus wears. Isn't that a great picture? 
The kingdom is powered by the Spirit of God through invasion into each of our lives. That's step one. Thy kingdom come, step two. The kingdom advances in our world, and God uses us when we keep in radio contact. Okay? Now, I use a lot of radios in hunting season. In fact, I bought some this last year when I got a whole bunch of those Cabela's gift cards, saved them up, and bought the newest and latest and greatest two-way radios. 38-mile range. My eye. 38 miles across if you're out there in eastern Colorado, right? But the first valley you go into, the first gulch you drop into, like, I'm a quarter mile from them and I can't talk anymore. Anyway, not that kind of radio contact. What do I mean? Radio contact is prayer. God uses our prayers to advance the kingdom. One of the things we easily lose sight of is that we are at war. And in times of war, we need to stay in constant communication with our commanding officer. Right? We are at war. There is a war raging. There's a spiritual battle raging. We pretend like we're, we're not in it. Sometimes we don't even think we are. But there's a spiritual battle raging. It's being played out in the hearts and minds of people across this earth. We're at war. And prayer is supposed to be used, among other things, to usher in the kingdom of God, to advance the troops into enemy territory, praying that God would lift the blinders that Satan has put on people's minds. We're told in Scripture that that Satan has put a blinder on the minds of unbelievers. And those blinds come off through prayer. When we ask God, God, show yourself to that person. Show yourself to them. I think one day we're going to be really surprised. One day, if we get to, if God chooses to let us see it, all the people that were a part of your spiritual journey and all the people that you touched in some way, you know what? I think we're going to be blown away at the number of people that might have had some impact on you that you don't even know. Might have prayed for you. And the number of people that you impacted in some way. I think we're going to be blown away. You know what? I found out a little piece of my own spiritual puzzle just a couple weeks ago that I didn't know about. Um, I grew up in Ohio City. Wapping metropolis of Ohio City. Um, my parents, who were sitting back there, um, brother and sister, um, we didn't necessarily come from a Christian home. My mom came to Christ when I was probably in junior high or high school. Um, but we can trace so many people that he brought into our lives that were followers of Christ. And some of them I knew about. I found out about a new one just a couple weeks ago. And it was a lady that lived in Pitkin at the far end of the valley, and she was a piano teacher, and she taught my little sister piano for a number of years, which meant she came to our house for I don't know how many years, once a week for a number of years. 
She was a follower of Christ. Uh, years later, when my sister gave her life to Christ, she got reconnected with this woman, shared her story. This lady, this precious lady, just hugged on my sister and said, oh, you don't know how long I prayed for that. And each one of your family. You see, every time I came to your home, I prayed. And as I walked through the front door and through the kitchen and the living room to where my sister's piano was, she prayed for my family. She understood that prayer is to be used, among other things, to advance the kingdom of God. You know what? I can't wait. Someday we're all going to see it, I think. You're going to see how many lives you touched. You're going to see how many people touched your life, altered the course. Step three, thy kingdom come. God can use me Build his kingdom when I'm equipped, when I'm prepared, when I'm ready. He can use me anytime he chooses. But he's going to use me a lot more if I'm prepared, right? I think most of you know I'm on the fire department in Ohio City. It's just my size of fire department. There's about 12 of us. Not in town, on the fire department. Um, I think we have 12 active firefighters. we got a little four-bay fire department with four trucks. Get our hand-me-downs from Gunnison Fire here. But we train. We train about uh, once, at least once a month, we have some sort of training. So we're ready, right? So we are prepared for the next fire, for the next accident, whatever it is. <clears throat> are you prepared? First Peter three fifteen be up here in just a second. Read it with me. But in your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. We're called to be prepared. Always. Are you prepared? Am I Why do you have hope? Is there an answer that's ready to come off your tongue right there? Why do you have peace? Why is there a smile on your face? Are you ready? Are you prepared? Part of being ready on the fire department is not just the training, but the gear that we wear. Okay? So on the fire department, we get to wear all kinds of stuff. My daughter... When she was, uh, I guess it was last year when she was home, um, she went with me down to the fire department and put on all my gear, and I took a picture of her, and it was hilarious. Helmet, bunker gear, um, gloves, boots, mask, goggles, etc. There's a ton of stuff. You can have all the training in the world, really good equipment, fire trucks and water sources and all that. But if you don't have the proper clothing on, you're not going to be a very effective firefighter. You know that? The same is true in kingdom work. What are we wearing? What are we wearing? Paul's going to help us get dressed for kingdom work by showing us what we're supposed to wear. You ready? You want to get dressed? All right, let's get dressed.
what we're supposed to wear as we prepare for battle. Ephesians chapter 6. I know it's a passage you're familiar with. Ephesians six, fourteen through 17. Stand firm then with a belt of truth buckled around your waist, with a breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Problem is, a lot of us are Christian streakers at times. All we got on is a helmet. That's like just wearing a helmet to the fire. You're not going to be very effective. But we're supposed to be ready with feet shod, with, with a readiness that comes from something having, having something on our feet. Obviously, Paul's not talking about physical footwear, right? Otherwise, we could run over to treads and threads and buy the newest and best pair of boots and be ready, right? That's not what he's talking about. No, it's the readiness that we need to have. Um, I've been... Uh, following some of the, I've, I've got a good friend that does uh, triathlons, and then he started doing Ironman triathlons. Um, and I, I kind of marvel at someone who really wants to do that stuff. But this idea of endurance races has really grown. Um, and of course, we live in a mecca for, for people wanting to train and, and do these endurance, whether it's skiing or biking or running. But one of the first ones I remember is, is the Leadville 100. Um, it started in 1983 in Leadville, and it's a 100-mile foot race. Um, it's been going since 1983. Um, it is grueling. Um, what impressed me so much, though, as I've followed it for a number of years, is I think it was, it was in the early 90s, that um, a handful of Indians from the Tarahumara Indian tribe in Mexico came to run the race. And the first year, well, the first year something happened. I, I can't remember the second year. Uh, a Tarahumara Indian in his 50s won the race. And they were trying to sponsor them and put really nice running shoes on their feet. And you know what they ran in? They, they ran in sandals. A hundred miles. It wasn't the sandals. He could have had the nice set of Nikes or Adidas or whatever. That wasn't the point either. How'd he win? He was ready. He was prepared. Right? He was completely prepared. Are we ready? Are we equipped then to take what God wants to do through us to the world? We are when we're ready and our feet are shod with the readiness that comes from the gospel when we're prepared to give an answer. The second someone asks, when we're around somebody, that's how the gospel advances. That's how the kingdom advances. When, when, when our hearts are totally in tune with what God wants to do and we seek first the kingdom, then God can orchestrate. He can set up divine appointments 
Annette and I used to work for an organization called Campus Crusade for Christ, and the founder, Bill Bright, everywhere he went and every person he met, he considered a divine appointment. He said, they are. I'm filled with God's Spirit. I know why I'm here. If I meet somebody, it's because God wanted me to meet them. And then he was usually sharing the gospel with them. They're divine appointments. If we're ready, if we're prepared, God can use us. The kingdom's going to advance through invasion of his spirit by using prayer, by being ready and prepared, and step four, by pain. That's right. Often the Lord uses pain in order for the kingdom to come. Why pain? Well, first of all, it's the example of Jesus, isn't it? It was through pain and suffering that the gospel came to us. That example continued with Paul. And it was often through painful and challenging circumstances that he was put in a place where he could take the gospel to someone else and someone new. When one of us goes through painful trials, the world around us also gets to see how a loving God cares for his children. Another way God uses pain to advance the kingdom. Uh, We have a friend, you have a friend, that has recently been diagnosed with cancer. This person's prayer was and has been, God, don't waste this. Don't waste this. In other words, use use it to change me and use it to bring hope to somebody else. God will use pain to advance the kingdom. Are we ready? What was your New Year's resolution? I want to be used by God more in 2019, don't you? I want this church to be used by God more in 2019. I want to give Him full access to this body, mind, and spirit so He can do everything He wants. Isn't that what you want to? I say we make that our New Year's resolution. Um, I'm going to close with this verse. I've shared it with you before, Acts 20, 24. I consider it one of my life verses um, and continues to challenge me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me if only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. Isn't that a great life verse? This thing doesn't mean anything. It's not mine anyway. My life is his. He bought and paid for it. Right? It's been bought and paid for. Like Jeremiah, I can say, I know, the Lord, that a man's life is not his own. Well, this life belongs to him. It's worth nothing. My reason for being here is to complete the race, to finish the task, the task of building his kingdom. Let's seek it first this year, shall we? All right, let's pray. Father, uh, you know each and every one of us. You know where we're at. You know what motivates us. You know the changes you want to bring into our lives this year. God, we invite you collectively and individually. We invite you to do what you want in us. Lord, would you be pleased to build your kingdom this year through each and every person sitting here or listening today.
Would you build your kingdom in Gunnison and beyond? Lord, help us to seek first your kingdom in 2019. In Jesus' name, amen.